Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. in Edmonton. Second hour of Oilers Now brought to you by Digitex. Wishing you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Pretty obvious theme of the day on the text line, 780-496-0063. That's the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Ashley Fine Floors providing winning results for over 35 years. Uh, We will hear from George LaRock and uh, excited to get his perspective on all that's going on in the National Hockey League right now um, or maybe all that's not going on as I don't know if the word is official yet. We're trying to uh, uh, monitor Twitter as best we can, but even the the pundits (laughs) longer... Much longer serving than myself seem to be a little bit in the dark about this, at least as of now. But uh, for a little bit more information and hopefully the latest, we'll bring aboard uh, Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Well, Brian, it's, uh, you know... (laughs) Leading up into this interview, I, I've got a lot of stuff written down and a lot of things I wanted to pick your brain on, but obviously taking precedent today seems to be the question um, whether they're going to play tonight or tomorrow and then whether they should have played last night. But let's start with the current situation. What are you hearing about tonight's games, if anything at all, and are you expecting to be on the desk tonight? Well, I've got tonight off. so I'm, I, I've, uh, Thursday's my busy day. I do six shows. But uh, I've got tonight off. It's the only night off this week I have, so I'm really glad, too. I'm tired. So I haven't heard much other than what you're hearing, which is they've been alerted, the teams have been alerted, that they may not play. Um, I think there's significant interaction between the players and the league and the union to figure out the best course of conduct. Um, and I, to me, I'm not... And this isn't a wishy-washy answer, because I think people who listen to the show know I'm not wishy-washy. I'm indifferent on the issue. I think making a boycott makes a very strong statement. But playing does, too. Playing gives the players the platform that they have. So I, I wasn't uh, upset. I, I'm, I'm good with whatever the players decide they want to do. I think a boycott is powerful, but I think playing is, too, in a different way. So whatever they decide is fine with me. We've got great young men that play this game. I agree, Brian, and I think that the biggest thing there is is if they're going to boycott, I I want the reason that they're boycotting to come internally. I don't want that to be external pressure and, and pundits saying that they should have done this or that just because, you know, everybody's opinion is readily available. But now reading that the Hockey Diversity Alliance is calling on its peers to actually, um, you know, subside or, pardon me, postpone the games tonight and, and possibly tomorrow as well. I think it it comes from a bit more meaningful of a place, in my opinion, when you've got, especially the newly founded Hockey Diversity Alliance, trying to call these shots. What do you think? Well, I I think the the purpose of the Hockey Diversity Alliance is to 
I don't think it's inappropriate for them to provide guidance at this point. If that's what you're hinting at, that external pressure, that's players and former players. I think that would be appropriate for them to express their viewpoint to the players, but then a player has to be able to express his viewpoint. I'm also curious, who gets to vote on this? Like, if it's just the teams left in the bubble, that's mm-hmm. not really representative of the full spectrum of membership in the PA. And I think they should all get to vote on it personally, but that's another matter. Whatever they decide is fine with me. Um, I agree with you, though, on this, Brendan. If if it's because they've been criticized today, if it's that external pressure that's causing them to do this, I would suggest that that's not a good reason for doing it. Like, if that ship sailed, then let it sail. Agreed. Um, generally speaking, uh, I don't want to spend too much time hammering that. That took up most of the first hour of the show. Generally speaking, how is the quality of play being in this NHL postseason relative to sort of your original expectations for the restart? Oh, it's been great. Right, right from the first minute of the first game, Brady Shea stepped up and dropped Jesper fast. <laughs> I knew right away that boys were ready to go. I think the hockey's been terrific. Now, You've seen a few lopsided games, but you'd usually see that in the playoffs anyway. So We didn't really know what to expect given, obviously, I mean, unprecedented is a word I'm so sick of right now, but it is uh, what it is in that sense. So I completely agree in the sense that there's... There is good hockey going on, especially here out west. Uh, out east, I've, I've seen a little bit less of it, but, you know, you're, you're seeing young emerging stars on different teams and for that let's key in on Dallas and Colorado for a second um, man Haskinen Makar on paper was a great matchup I think you can go the first two rounds to Haskinen and then last night Makar stealing the show uh, fair assessment there are you surprised at all to see both of these guys sort of emerging at the same time for their teams well this gives me a great opportunity to do a little rant about the draft lottery that's how Dallas got Haskinen was they moved up in the draft lottery which I detest but to answer your question, yes, Hastings is just a, a magical young player, doesn't play in a, a, a widely covered hockey market, not that Dallas is a small town, but uh, doesn't get the acclaim or the notice that he should have. And that's one thing I love, now that you mentioned it, Brendan, one thing that the great thing about the NHL playoffs is every year a handful of young stars emerges and is really brought out onto the national stage. And Kale McCarr is a great young player. Uh, Miro Haskinen is a great young player. And some people are really focusing on their abilities for the first time. This is funny because for Kale McCarr, particularly having grown up in our backyard, so to speak, uh, we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into with that player. However, I didn't forecast that it would happen as soon as it has. He's playing, you know, 25, 26, 27 minutes a game for Colorado. Uh, great stuff there. And again, I say, you know, he, he sort of helped will his team back into that series last night. Is there anybody else that's uh, Carter Hart, I think, is an obvious one in Philadelphia to watch what the rookie goaltender has been doing and and uh, even up that series or helping even it for Philly. Uh, anybody else that's maybe not garnering as much recognition in your opinion as they should be right now? I, I, let me think about that for a second. Let me tell you a quick story about Kale McCarr. Sure. When he played his last year at Brooks, they asked me to speak at his, at his banquet. And so uh, they sat him with me and I was talking to him. He's a really pleasant young man. And they told us to go up to the buffet. So uh, classic hockey player. He's got his jacket off. You go up to the buffet and you load your plate with as much food as possible, but you want to take a bun, right? So what do you do with the bun? 
in his pocket? Put it in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so Kale sticks his butt in his pocket, and I did the same thing. I said, Kale, great minds think alike. What else do you do? You don't want to use up that plate space. That's fantastic. And you, listen, I, just to, to piggyback on that a bit, putting myself in Kale's shoes, Brian, I have so much admiration for you, and I, you're one of very few, if not the only guests, that I get sort of a little bit butterfly to be uh, on the air with. So for him at that point in his career, uh, maybe he's got more moxie than me, but I'm sure that went a long way for him. That's uh, that's great stuff. But, I mean, he's, again, he's standing out like a sore thumb. Who Who is your unsung playoff guy so far, if anyone? Uh, well, I put Hadoba in there for a guy that I've always respected as a goalie, but never thought had star quality, but he's been really good. Um, Carter Hart, you mentioned, who, who really appears, he's the Bennington of last year's playoff, to play that well with that coolness and calmness. Uh, in the first round, I thought Carey Price was amazing. I thought he was absolutely remarkable. Uh, other than that, I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else. I think I said this on TV last night. I think the general manager that deserves the most credit would be two Kelly McCrimmon on the West and uh, Julian Breeswa on the East, as far as the changes they made to already good teams to make them better. So Vegas brings in Cousins, they bring in Martinez, they bring in Leonard, and then on the other side, they bring in Shattenkirk, Pagosian, Coleman. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, Gaudreau, yep. and one more. There's five. Shattenkirk, there's five. Anyway, I think those two GMs took already good teams and made them markedly better. So I'd say they're the first two stars on each side. And the number one star of all of this is Steve Meyer from the NHL. The way they've converted these two hub rinks into what they look like and the crowd noise and everything. They thought of everything. It's been remarkable seeing what they were able to do on such short notice. And in terms of the functionality of the bubbles, as we know, Brian, I mean, four straight weeks without a single positive test. So the planning that's gone into this, I think it lends itself to a pretty obvious bubble scenario next season. I know that's being discussed right now in the league offices. Do you have any uh, anything that you can provide on that front as far as what Bill Daly might be looking ahead to 2020, 2021 to look like? Or are we still pretty early for that? Well, I think there's there's two models that you would say, okay, we're going to do what baseball is doing, and we're just going to play Aye. with no fans or socially distanced fans. And everyone, I'm sure everyone in Alberta is groaning, and you got the, the 14 day quarantine problem in Canada. But basically, Major League Baseball, after a really rocky start, is having pretty good success with doing modified slash partial bubbles, like being very careful with their travel sanitizing stadiums. Now, they, they play three or four games in a row in one building, so that helps. But then moving on to the next place, sanitized charter, you don't go through the main terminal, you go through the private terminal, you get on a bus that's sanitized, you go right to your hotel, you get your own floor. They're starting to get it right. They're having fewer and fewer positive COVID tests. So that's one possibility I've heard. Uh, baseball, but do it a little better. The bubble concept I've heard floated was four bubbles because the players are not going to play an 82-game season in a bubble. They're not leaving their families for that long. So you have to do a modified bubble, which would be four bubbles, four cities. Uh, And, again, this is just conceptual. This isn't happening. I'm not going to preach it like it's happening. But let's say you had bubbles just to pick four cities, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, uh, Winnipeg, Colorado. And so teams would go into the bubble and play 
for 14 days. They play seven games in 14 nights. Then go back to their home city and practice and spend time with their families for 10 days. Then bubble again. So you get 70 games and every time you go to a bubble, you play all the different opponents you're supposed to play. Uh, you, the only time you're at risk, obviously, you come out of the bubble is when you go home. But, you know, they would expect players to act uh, properly. And, and I think like you see in baseball, the, what you risk is putting your entire team at risk and their families. So I think the stakes are high enough that guys will behave. It seems to be working out, but those are the two scenarios I've heard. And they have plenty of time to get there and implement any sort of corrections to maybe mandates, even either baseball or uh, what they figure they can improve on from their own uh, execution here. We're chatting with Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service. Um, Brian, a little bit dated now, but Alan Walsh sent a rather provocative tweet out at, uh, I would call it an uncomfortable time for the Vegas Golden Knights, and it was quickly you know, taken down. Um, but as a, as a former general manager, knowing that story now, uh, I'm curious how you would have handled that, assuming that you would have injected yourself into that scenario at all. What are your thoughts? Oh, I would have injected myself within minutes. I would have called Alan Walsh and said, I think you need to take that down now, right now. And I would have called a, play, a meeting with the player, with Mark andre Fleury, and asked him if he knew about it. If he did, I'd have a big problem with it. If he didn't, I'd still have a, a problem with it, but not as big. And then I'd have, get the player and say, you got to go in and talk to the coach, and you got to talk to your teammates. And the, the reason, it's okay to be upset about playing time. Like it, it, that's that's not you actually want your players to be upset when they're not playing. I get the competitor in him, but no one has sympathy for people who complain about playing time in the playoffs. You have no right to put your situation ahead of your teammates at that at that time of year. You really don't any time of year, but in the playoffs, it's particularly appalling. So that's the first problem is it's untimely. The second is the stab in the back suggests that the player thinks he was lied to. And this is a management group, George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, and uh, Pete DeBoer, who have a reputation for truthfulness and honesty. And lying to your players is a very poor strategy generally. It doesn't work because the word, word gets around. you got to keep your word. I think if you, if you talk to anyone that ever played for me, anyone, going back 30 years, he'd say two things. One, Brian was always straight with us, and two, we always had our backs. And then that reputation is worth it, and it's important. So... That's the second thing is now you're casting aspersions on people that are highly respected. That's kind of dicey too. So bad idea, worst timing, move on. Does that devalue the player who now is essentially joined the goaltending market? And I say that because I think back to something like the Ryan Kessler deal when he very publicly, bit of a different scenario. I think the player himself was quite a bit more vocal about wanting out of Vancouver at that time. But in my opinion, that really devalued him on the market. And if Vegas is going to try and bring Robin Leonard back, there's no way that both of those goaltenders at their price tags are going to be there, right? So now I'm wondering, like Vegas is obviously going to have to retain some salary in all likelihood um but did the agent just do you think that there's anything to be said for maybe the agent shooting himself in the foot in that respect no question and also he's he's done two he's done a couple things wrong here and i don't have a problem with alan Walsh. i know some other gyms that i never did and so i'm not shoveling dirt on him as much as i think it's a misstep for for three reasons one or four reasons timing bad idea generally three devalue the player on the market if they have to move him. No question in my mind. I think he's really hard to move at that much money. 
And then four, what people will remember about this is that Marc-Andre Fleury was selfish and complained about ice time during the playoffs when he did not. The agent did. So it's, it's you know, Marc-Andre Fleury's had this perfect image as a player. A great teammate. He's handsome. He's reliable. He's a good kid. He's always in a good mood. And now people are going to say he was selfish at the worst time of the year, and he wasn't. It's a shame that you have to question loyalty from the team to who at one point was their franchise player, the face of the franchise, for a startup and in all likelihood the most successful startup franchise that I would say we've seen in sports. So I hope that this doesn't paint an ugly ending for what should have otherwise been a pretty, uh, you know, incredible story in the terms of how he resurrected his career out of Pittsburgh after losing that job. And speaking of the Penguins, I'll give you one more here, Brian, as we chat with Brian Burke for our friends at Canadian Power Pack. Kyle Dubas pulled a little wizardry, uh, in my opinion, against the Pittsburgh Penguins in that trade, acquiring $3 million in cap space and a first-round pick this year for Kasperi Kapanen. That's my take. What say you on Dubas's trade? Well, first, first off, let me go back one more thing about Marc-Andre Fleury, sure. too. If he has to play now, the pressure on him is tripled. So that's the last negative aspect of this tweet or post or whatever, Twitter, or Instagram, whatever it was. I don't know any of that stuff. <laughs> the last bad result of that is if he has to play now, boy, is he under pressure. So moving on, um, you asked about, sorry, what's the next question? I had to finish that last point. Kyle Dubas. Uh, Kyle Dubas. Of, yeah, okay. go ahead. First off, always be careful about questioning whether you beat Jimmy Rutherford in a deal or not. <laughs> he, he doesn't get beat very often. Um, I only made a couple deals with him, and I think he skinned me on one of them. But anyhow, um, I like the deal from Toronto's standpoint. Pittsburgh thinks the player uh, was miscast in Toronto and can play in their top six. I, I'm not sure how much finish he has. He's got great energy, great skater. Uh, he's powerfully built. He's not afraid. But I don't know how much finish he has. He didn't demonstrate a lot, a lot of scoring ability here. But Jimmy drafted him. He knows him. Um, I like it from the least end. Because first off, they, they get a first-round pick, which they didn't have. That's important. And second, the player that came with them, Evan Rodriguez, is a useful player. He's a right shot center and can play wing. He was a true freshman at, at, at uh, Boston University. Like when most of the freshmen go to U.S. University, they're 20 years old. They've played at the U.S. National Development Team Program or they played in the USHL and they're 20 years old. He went in as a true 18-year-old, which is hard to do these days. So he's a young man. Even with a five- or six-year pro career, he's still pretty young. And he's a $2 million qualifying offer. My guess is what they're going to say to him is, we'll keep you in the NHL, but we're not qualifying. You've got to come in at a lesser dollar. So they could get an asset out of that at a good price, plus a first. And that cap space then improves from, if they don't qualify him at two, that if they qualify him at two, they've saved a million two. If they get him to sign at one, they've saved 2.2. So it could be a really good deal. And do you think that it was enabled by the fact that Nick Robertson showed real well for them on that wing in the playoffs? Yeah, I do. I think this kid's going to be a real good player, and he sure didn't look like a rookie when he was playing for them in the playoffs. Brian, thank you so much for your time and your insight. We'll connect uh, next week. Thanks, Brennan. See you. That is Brian Burke for Sportsnet for our friends. 
at Canadian Power Pack. Let's quickly take a time out. Back with some more text messages. 780-496-0063. Sounds like hockey is called off tonight and maybe tomorrow as well. Let me know what you think. Back after this. 126 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott here in the big chair today, tomorrow, Monday as well. And then Bob's back. I'll tell you about uh, Brent Ridge Fort. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin, but outstanding customer service is a key to business as well. Brent Ridge Ford, a nine-time President's Award winner for customer satisfaction. They'll provide you with outstanding service at the time of the purchase and will continue that standard of service after the sale as well. So let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or go online to Brent Ridge. Dot com. After the 1.30 news, George Larocque, as Truculent Thursday continues on Oilers Now. It's one thing for me to sit here and preach and pontificate and split hairs and try and insert myself into a conversation that I really don't feel qualified based on my gender and the color of my skin to be a part of, but you're damn sure that I'm going to continue to try and be an ally. So we'll bring in a real voice of authority on what happened in the sports world yesterday. George LaRock, Edmonton sporting icon coming up in a bit. Uh, a couple text messages here though. First, uh, Oilers GM wonders, is postponing games really boycotting games? I think not. That's just my opinion. Dave says, if hockey is boycotted for the rest of the year, two winners, New York Rangers and Black Lives Matter. Probably more so the Rangers. Uh, this texture says, I'm all for Black Lives Matter, but what's with all these athletes that are concerned for human rights and then accept multi-million dollar endorsements from Nike and Adidas when those goods are made by slave child labor in China or wherever else they're made in Asia? Look at LeBron James's $40 million Nike endorsement. Why not donate it to their cause if they want to be front and center? Seems like a double standard to me. Uh, where do we go here? Richard says, I feel very strongly these incidents are senseless, terrible tragedies that should not ever happen. But why is nobody talking about the fact in a lot of these cases that the person is fighting with police? Uh, Texter says... If people aren't willing to listen or participate in the conversation, they may be part of the problem. Thank you for allowing your platform to be used to have the conversation from Randy. I appreciate that, Randy. Yeah, not an easy day behind the microphone. Let's see if George LaRock can uh, put things into a better perspective. We'll send it to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.